Hi, welcome to the 95th episode of In The Vitrine. This is Danny. This is Nadia. Hello. And today we're going to do a roundup of all the busy, busy fashion things we've been doing, both here and around the region. <laughs> so maybe... <I> <laughs> yeah, we yeah. should start with you because you did things. I just went to see things. <laughs> And also, I guess it's a little bit chronological. Um, we begin with the, the first uh, Singapore Next in Vogue conference that happened a few weeks ago, um, over two days. And I was the panelist in one of the panels in the first day. And it was super fun to be on the same panel as my best good friend for Daos. And we had a fun time um, kind of just being in the same space. And uh, the, I mean, the title of the of the panel was had to do with uh, fashion and multiculturalism in Singapore. And uh, Simon from the Singapore Fashion Council, Daniel Boy, who's um, a very experienced and a veteran show producer and Kenny Ting, the director of the ACM. So all people who I've worked with over the years in one way or another. Um, and uh, Maya was our moderator, Maya Menon, and she's she's really great. And moderating is such a difficult job, I feel, to especially with a panel with a lot of different uh, individuals. It's balancing the time and also being quick on your feet. So that was nice to do. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I mean, before you you did this, I was like, wow, you know, the panel is so diverse in terms of like each person's role. And I was wondering like how it would go down. Um, what really struck you from the panel discussion? Was there like a eureka moment or like, a, oh, wow, that's such a good point that the whole panel kind of created together? I think um, what was... What I really liked was um, FP's contribution as like a practicing shoe designer and, um, you know, a younger, younger voice, like panels tend to be quite academic or, or have to do with, you know, business insights and stuff. But I feel like his sharings were about his positionality as like a brown designer, uh, like a Malay designer. And he mentioned how when he was a student or when he was younger, he saw a style magazine where with an interview with Furkan, another Malay uh, fashion um, stylist. And how just seeing somebody like this, although he was not a shoe designer, still like inspired him and made him feel like there's a space for him. And we fast forward like 15 years later and we, we are seeing a lot more bylines with, you know, um, that our students can look at and see somebody that hopefully inspires them as well. But I think this idea of like knowing who who your predecessors or like the people who are already working in the industry is really important. And sometimes we are, we're always like, even as a young designer, I was... I was aware of the local designers that, that were around me and it's important for them to exist because we're all part of this genealogy. Yes, I agree. Um, well, I wasn't at this Next Invoke talk because I decided to go to this thing called the PHX Fashion Conference um, and it was 
almost like a dream come true for me because, you know, we had been focusing quite a lot on PHX um, fashion group on fashionandmarket.net. And um, yeah, so I went and then it was really fun to meet all of these talented individuals that, you know, I had had interactions with just like over emails, over Zoom in the past few years. And this was the second PHX fashion conference in person. The first was in 2019, I think. So just before the pandemic. So it was very special. Um, and I learned a lot from the trip, you know, just meeting with people in person, figuring out like what um, the fashion landscape was like a little bit in Manila. I can't say that I know everything, of course, through a single weekend, but it was nice to just see like how things are produced um, or like the retail model, uh, what is available, who are the younger designers, uh, what are the challenges they face, but also the opportunities they have and how the PHX Fashion Conference is trying to equip them with tools for them to, I think, just have that community right, of like we're in this together, we're working together and also like for them to scale up if possible and to venture outside of the Philippines in other markets. So it was really eye-opening mm -hmm. and I couldn't help but think about how, you know, that reflected maybe other similar circumstances in other Southeast Asian fashion markets, including in Singapore or in Jakarta, for instance, um, but also how it is unique and it has like a certain aesthetic that defines um like what this generation of fashion designers from the Philippines is about. Yeah, so it was, it was very nice. Um, and then I felt like that weekend, there was so much going on because it was like next in Vogue in Singapore. It was also Boutiques Fair in Singapore. Oh, yes. And it was PHX Fashion Conference in Manila. And I mean, in Jakarta, there was also Art Jakarta. So like just things that were kind of like vying for attention and I was trying to figure out which one was the best. And um, I wanted to go for this conference because it was the first in a few years and I had never been before. So yeah, so that was that. It was very nice. Um, wow. After that, I think the next thing would be maybe the Kabaya Societe exhibition in Singapore. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I missed that because I was away on the weekends and it was just a crazy assessment period, but I saw lots of photos and it looked really beautiful. Yes, actually you're right because it was like the assessment period. I remember that I was like assessing essays on the plane, for example, to and from Manila. Um, but yeah, it was it was worth the trip, definitely. Um, For the exhibition on Kabayas, I thought it was very well put together um, and of course it made a lot of people very excited to see all of these kabayas on display um, I like that there was for example like fashion magazines uh, on display as well to give context for what was trending at a certain time and um, how these were worn I didn't go for a tour but I understand that some of the pieces belong to um, really amazing trailblazing women which was very nice to look at um, on Instagram afterwards, you know, when there were these like highlights from the tours that took place. One thing is for sure, it's great that there's such exhibitions that are taking place because, you know, I think what you're saying is right, that if we don't see what exists before us, it is that much harder to just be like, oh, I'm going to do something new. But if someone is already kind of like creating the path ahead of us, then we feel like, oh, actually, you know, if they can do it, we can do it, right? Like, um, 
on a peer-to-peer -peer level or as like a, we're doing it and then the next generation will feel like it is even easier to tell stories from their own communities. So I, I like that about this exhibition in particular, you know, that they, the people behind Cabarrus Theatre really pushing, you know, the boundaries with these stories yeah. and being like, you know, this is our story and we want to tell it to everybody and you get to look at beautiful things too. So yeah, I, I saw a really fun um, Facebook comment, I mean, Facebook by this writer I follow, Eng uh, Yisheng, and he went to the show and he, mm. he was telling uh, Sufi, I think, that there is a term that uh, for for people who are, you know, really uh, researching and like super uh, obsessed with like um, recovering the Nusantara region and, and stories from this area. Um, and he called it Nusantara Otaku. <laughs> so I, I love that term. So uh, people like Orang Laut, uh, the, or the Orang Laut, um, uh, Instagram account also recovering this kind of um, stories of the of the the people of the sea, as well as like Kabaya Societe. So I guess these like Nusantara otakus are like um, using social media to share these these stories with um, younger people. Yes, and it's very important to tell these stories because if not, um, then we don't know them. You know, like what we receive in our formal education is pretty much like the big narrative. Um, and oftentimes these micro histories, um, if we can call them that, I don't even think that that's actually quite helpful a term, but like these other stories maybe, you know, um, get lost in this like big, big story that needs to kind of like cover everything, but in trying to cover everything really doesn't cover everything. So it's very helpful to have all of these stories come up from the margins. So thank you, Kabaya Societe. Um, and I think, on that note, what's next chronologically? Was it my Hong Kong trip or your SG? No, I think my Hong Kong trip. Yes, your Hong Kong trip. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of exhibitions, um, I went to Hong Kong on a press trip um, for something else, but then I made it a point to go to M Plus to see this really wonderful exhibition called um, Madame Song, A Life in Art and Fashion. And I was very excited to see this because... I saw how intensive the research was through the press releases I received, um, through the interviews that have been given by the curator Pili. Um, and it's just wonderful because it's around this individual called Madame Song, but it's just covering, you know, her life from being like an artist to working um, in fashion in China. And she brought in Pierre Cardin into China, for example. Um, wow. But what I really appreciated in the exhibition was like how there were all these other threads of research that the curator thought was important to tell the whole story. So it wasn't just like celebratory of one individual. It was really charting almost like the history of like craft, art, um, modeling, and like the entry of global fashion brands into China. So mm. it was just so, um, I, I don't know what the word is. I, I just remember that after I saw everything, I had to sit down for a bit because it was 
such beauty, but also so much information. Um, I enjoyed reading like every wall text because I learned from them. It was never just like some kind of, um, I don't know, some kind of a throwaway, um, full of adjectives kind of wall text. It was always like, I'm going to give you this nugget of information. I'm going to give you another nugget of information. So I learned so much from um, moving through the exhibition and the design was great as well. So for example, uh, Maxim's was a very important part of, I think, doing business um, at this time for Madame Song at least. And there was, for example, this display where they had like tabletops like from Maxime's and you could see like items and like videos within the tabletops. So the, it was a- Maxime's, the restaurant? The yeah. restaurant? Oh, wow. Exactly. It was very creative exhibition design. Um, yeah. Just great. And I mean, I, I texted you while I was on the trip because I just needed to share it, like just kind of like share it with someone. If not, I thought I was going to burst from just how amazing <laughs> this exhibition was. I think it was- Really, really well done. Um, it's not always the case for fashion exhibitions. Sometimes fashion exhibitions can feel quite one-dimensional or can feel too focused on telling one particular story. And the contextualization for this show was just wonderful and I appreciated it. And it also was very, I think, respectful towards this audience. It didn't really like try to make it manageable. You know, it was just like, this is everything. I'm just going to give it to you and you're going to receive it. <laughs> I so appreciated that because sometimes going for exhibitions like this can feel a bit like flat, um, but I didn't feel like, like that. You mean like they, they didn't try to simplify difficult no. topics or themes that happened? Yeah, they did not. And they even had a new uh, section which was about like um, younger designers in China um, so I thought it was also quite bold in just bringing other things in and not feeling like they just had to, because they named it Madame Song, right? That they had to just focus on her. Because of course she didn't live on her own in silo, right? She needed to live in uh, that particular time at particular place. So there was also yes. a lot of like, supporting information that I so appreciated. Um, I left the exhibition feeling like I had learned so much, which is the best thing about an exhibition. Um, and it really isn't always the case. Sometimes you go for an exhibition and you feel like, oh, I really knew these. And it's so disappointing that, you know, I couldn't know more. So this was, this wow. was a, yeah, this was Definitely great. want to go. Yeah, I have the book, but you can borrow it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'll just show it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't been there since they, they opened the museum. Oh, yeah, yeah. District, yeah. Right? I only saw it when it was still like, um, before they had done the reopening, I think there was like a um, Noguchi exhibition with. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, lastly, uh, if we have some time, we can. I'll briefly mention about the panel that we did last week. Um, it was part of SG Fashion Now, and it was a panel titled "Fashion as Business." And I think as we're talking um, throughout this podcast episode, I, I'm getting the sense that one of the, the underlying themes is just this idea of the importance of um, knowing the context around things. And so the three designers that spoke were Afton from Reckless Erica, who started Reckless Erica in 2009 with um, four friends. And she thought she's 
three other friends and she spoke about the history of the brand and all the different difficulties they had with retail and you know landlords and malls and and seeing the changing landscape of retail and it was really great to to hear that and I'm so happy that younger audiences are getting to know about her story and, and the brand story because this is one of the few brands that are still um, kind of running in that same kind of capacity, like a designer-led brand rather than just um, a, a retailer brand. Mm. Um, then the second speaker was Lena Osman, who was also part of the SG Fashion Now um, selection that um, Ethan did for the second iteration. And then she spoke more about, you know, from hers, we can hear more about like the the younger aspirations of a fashion designer and trying to balance this like day job and um her brand. And lastly, we had Taufik from Youth Simbalaklava again talking about the ideas around um being in the right place at the right time and being able to read uh, read the feeling and speak to a specific audience um through their work. So that was really um, a good panel, I think, to to get these real um, voices in because when we're seeing in an exhibition, sometimes we only see the final garment and it doesn't really talk about the business or the the everyday life of having to try and keep that business alive. Yeah. Yes, somehow there was a threat in the end. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to, but then there was a threat. Yes. Um, yeah, thoughtful exhibition, concepts, flow, um, motivations, the importance of telling stories, right, from bigger ones um, to just individual ones that you're you're talking about right now. These are all very important. Okay, on that introspective note, thank you so much <laughs> for watching or listening to us at Individual Train, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.